Hey everyone, welcome back to the Extra Podcast. This is episode number 270. This is Paul Siemens, your host for today, along with Andy Steiger. Andy here. What's going on, man? Um, I thought I was talking to Greg. Oh. But I guess you are Paul. Yes. No, I'm not even no. kidding you. Well, like, Jeff, you said, is there I've not an this. uncanny resemblance? Yeah, well, I'm here too, Andy. Oh, hey, Jeff. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Paul lost his beard. Paul lost his beard in a freak razor accident. <laughs> it fell off. <laughs> yeah, I actually lost weight. Weighed myself this morning, a couple pounds later even. Could you just walk me through the <laughs> mental process where you said to yourself, you know what, I want to cut all this hair off my face? Uh, the mental process? Well, basically all I did was, um, I mean, it's nothing too, nothing too amazing. No, like lights from heaven or anything like that. It was just that I was... Uh, sitting there uh, or standing there after my shower going, hey, why don't I shave this thing off? Hey, I look like I'm 56. So there was no conversation <laughs> with wife right. or anything? Did you look? You no, really, you, I just surprised her. You look like a young man. He looks Thank like you. Greg. He does. No, he looks like a young man. You lost like five years. Yeah, yeah. that's what you the look, first thing I, I walked into the room and I'm 40 years old now. I've walked into the room and Carla was like, whoa. She's like, you look like you're 30. Yeah. Like, and I said, you're welcome. <laughs> so That's great nice. stuff. Yeah. Good time. And over there with Jeff. Hi, Andy. Jeff is in his 40s as well. and uh, Mid-40s, thank mid you. Mid-40s. 44. he learned that this uh, last weekend when he was playing volleyball. This, yeah, this week. This I was week. playing volleyball with my kids, and I came down wrong on my ankle. It should go noted, though, that when I did come down on my ankle, I was well and truly ahead in the game. In fact, I had dominated the game to such a degree that my kids were close to tears. Are you or are you not wearing a cast that looks almost identical to what Ezra was wearing for well, the I'm last not, six I'm not months? Wearing it. I'm not wearing it right now, but yes, I do have an air cast on my right foot. <laughs> and, and it was it a hand-me-down, because Ezra it, doesn't have his now. Yeah, no. No, did Ezra just hand it to you? No, I got a new one, and uh, I'm supposed to be wearing it a lot, but, well, that's Are you a rebel? That's not happening. <laughs> It's hot, and uh, yeah, I can I can live without it. So, so apparently a, your bone came off. Yeah, I have an avulsion fracture. Ooh. So for all of you out there with Google, you can Google avulsion fracture and heal, and that's what I have. Ugh. So you know, Sounds I don't know. Disgusting. We'll see how long it takes to heal. I just saying, get it heal. So we'll see how long it takes to heal. I'm yeah. sure it'll be okay. You'll be fine. Duly noted that you were winning that game until your body gave out. Yeah. Yes. Against Sophie, right? <laughs> no, no. Ethan, my son, he's grade 11. He's embarrassed by the fact that I was dominating so much. I had two, two straight points. One was a wicked spike that went to the corner of the court. And the other one, he and my other son, Mike, had tried to come up and block me. Mm. And I pulled the little tip. Nice. nice. And it dropped right there. They look like fools. It was awesome. <laughs> and then you're on the ground crying and screaming, <laughs> yeah, holding the your next, leg. The next time I went up to try to block, I think it was block or hit. I can't even remember what I was trying to do. And I came down bad on the ankle. So what was the pain scale on that? Pretty high. I heard some crunching and some popping oh. and that sort of stuff. Were the, did your eyes tear up? Don't lie to me. I said, yeah, it's getting a little dusty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Were you away on vacation at this point? Oh, camping is camping really a vacation though and people uh, say yeah. I've asked myself that's that a, a number question. of times 
as, as I'm packing the van. The only, the well, only every night you you go out and you wash dishes like at a tap with some soap and the only reason you get to use a toilet that everybody else is using that, the the, my, my question is, uh, isn't the only real reason that you go camping so that you get that feeling of euphoria when you walk back into your home, your own home. <laughs> That's a good point. You spend a week away from that home so that you can come back and think, I don't care how many dings there are on the walls or whatever. This place is awesome. You know, I've heard it's only North Americans that pay to be homeless. And uh, true. And you seem to pay a lot these days. You know, it cost me $50 a night to camp this weekend no. at Alice Lake. Yeah. That's a lot Was of money. Was that just a tent That's site? A tent, tent no. site. I kid you not. What? I know. Yeah, this place was like 70 bucks a night. Really? Dude, that's, I could get a Motel 6 I could get a, exactly. That. Ridiculous. Yeah. Although is Motel 6 is kind of like being outside. True, true. <laughs> <laughs> Using the same toilet everybody else <laughs> Motel 6. I've never actually been through into a Motel 6. Well, you haven't lived, Paul. Wow. You should take that clean-shaven face right now. Go mm-hmm. to your go so down to you a Motel your 6. Sight, your shots. Anyway, we have a that lot seems of questions. Like a, that seems like a place that zombies would hang out. True. Motel 6. Andy, is that, well, is that true? Is that a zombie the, favorite? Well, it seems as though with every movie you watch, that tends to be the, the scene, doesn't it? Yeah. Some cheap motel. Yep. Costco. Zombies busting into the room. Speaking of movies, mm-hmm. look at this segue into a question. That's right. It reminds me of a movie called I Am Legend with Zombies. That's right. You see that? You bet. And there's even zombie dogs in that movie. There are. So uh, apparently a couple episodes ago, maybe it was last episode, uh, talked about a couple of different things and got into media a bit. And uh, you guys talked about I Am Legend. And I think the listener says that, Jeff, I think it was, who actually said I Am Legend is a good Christian movie. Oh, yeah. It's a zombie flick. Maybe we should give people just a little taste of what the plot is. Before I before I say this, okay, you need to if you've not seen I Am Legend, you need to know that I'm going to be revealing spoilers mm. at this moment. So if you are not interested in hearing spoilers for I Am Legend, which came out like in 2003, however many years ago, I'm sorry the the spoiler time, the time of has not expired. revealing spoilers is retired re- retired. So, uh, yeah. So I Am Legend. Is, I Am Legend um, is a movie about. A, um, and not everybody's going to like this movie, by the way. No, for sure. No, not, I am I mean, legend is yeah. a is a movie about a uh, a doctor who comes out with a cure for cancer, and the cure for cancer is uh, they've had it work in every animal, everything that they've tried. They release it for humans, and it had it's had hundred percent effect. The problem is, after a few months of giving this to everybody, it's an inoculation and everyone's, you know, all these people with cancer start having it, or they start giving it to all these people who have cancer, it ends up turning them into zombies, right? It takes over them and then they bite people and they pass it on that way. Let me say too, that these are creepy zombies. They run fast. They're not like your slow walking feral. No, they're fast. Zombies. So, um... And they can only be in the in the dark, as good zombies can. So they they can only be in the dark. Any any of the zombies that bite anyone else, they get this blood disease. So it's spread throughout throughout uh, the hu- humankind. It's 
decimated New York City to such a degree that the city is now gone, except for one guy, mm-hmm. Will Smith's character, and this one guy has got uh, he, he has got a uh, resistance to it. His blood is resistant to the strain, to the to the disease, and so he's trying to figure out how he can take his blood. He's a he's a doctor who's trying to figure out, even though he's all alone in New York City, he's trying to figure out how can I get my blood and isolate it and test it on some of the some animals that have this this zombie uh, this zombie what do you call it zombiness disease <laughs> this disease right people sometimes he captures some zombies and he puts them in his lab to try to figure out how he can how he can heal them. Uh, he's been unable to do it for for years to figure out how it is that he can heal these zombies. He needs to get his blood, his clean blood, mm-hmm. into these people. Anyway, the end of the movie, he he ends up. Uh, there's this promise of uh, a place where all the clean people are, or people right. who don't have it that you can get to. Mm-hmm. It's like a compound. Yeah. He ends up figuring mm-hmm. out with somebody. And the, one other person who he ends up meeting through a series of circumstances shows up in New York and saves him uh, that they can get to this place. But he realizes right when that happens that one of his experiments on his blood has worked on a zombie. So now he's got the cure, right? He is the cure for them. And he keeps trying to convince the zombies that he's the cure for, for this. He, he he wants to show them that he, but they keep rejecting it and rejecting it and rejecting it. In the end, he's caught in a in a glass, basically a, a glass cage that the zombies are about to break down. And there's one escape hatch that he sends these his friends out, this little boy and her his I think it's a little boy, little girl, can't remember, and the <laughs> mother. He mm-hmm. sends them out the escape hatch, and the only way for him to save them and to give them the blood specimen right, is to give of his own life and die. Now, I've retold that in such a way that hopefully you see the broad strokes of this film. The film is about a diseased human race and a savior whose blood needs to be, um, needs to be given over to these other people who don't want it, and they reject it, and they want to kill him. And by giving of his own life, he ends up saving the world. Mm. This is not a Christian film. By the way, I'm not importing Christian ideas into the movie. No, no. I'm saying that that's what the director means to communicate with with his work. And so that film is far more Christian than Truman Show, which actually has the opposite, which has a a, a world where uh, the true man grows up. It's all controlled by Kristoff, the god who sits up in the sun and uh, won't let him do what he wants to do and always you know, manipulates him so he shuts him down, does it for Kristoff's own purposes. Finally, true man sails across the seas to get away from Kristoff, stands at the edge of the wall and is about to escape the, the big bubble that he's been in and Kristoff speaks from on high, from heaven and says to him, I've always loved you and cared for you and I'm the one who takes care of you. And true man says... Uh, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And he shuts the door on Kristoff, and everybody cheers. This is a good Christian mm. film. Hey, by the way, there's not there's no swears in that movie. It's a good Christian movie. See, I'm going to say no. 
I'm going to say actually what it's teaching you is the opposite of Christian saying, saying reject God and his ways. Mm-hmm. Reject God and his control over your world. You take control yourself. Whereas I Am Legend is saying that there is a disease that people have and we rebel against the one who can save us from it. Mm-hmm. Whose blood is necessary and the, the only way for that blood to be given us is for him to give his life. The only way for us ultimately, the hum, humankind to be saved is if that he gives his life. Right. So it's definitely got the, I would say I Am Legend has the Christian overtones. Yeah, it's interesting. There's but not- to call it, I, I mean, <laughs> to call any movie really a Christian movie is to, I like, it. To I Am Legend doesn't does talk. Mean? Well, yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I think the only kind would be one that shows the 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 life, death, and resurrection of Jesus according to Scripture. I mean, that would be kind of the only true, uh, as close as you could get, actually what you could call a Christian movie, I think. I think you can call it, like, I Am Legend would have Christian overtones or themes that run through it, or even a shadow of the gospel. I think the intent of the author is to show the Christian story. Now, I might be wrong about that. You're you're disagreeing with me, and you're saying it's not. But I'm saying I, I'm saying it's I'm saying you can definitely see the 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 gospel through it. So if I go see that with my with a non Christian friend or whatever, or or my kids or whatever, and I, and afterwards, and I sit down with them and I go talk about it and say, look what look what the director was trying to show us. Right. I think you can talk about that for sure. Isn't that the way we ought to engage every film? Yes. So I'm saying, when I say it's a Christian film, I'm saying it's a, I, I don't really like using language of Christian and non-Christian for film. It's art. And some right. of the art actually embraces Christian principles and some don't. Some don't. Right. What I'm saying is that I Am Legend actually does embrace far more Christian principles than a show like Truman Show does. Oh, yeah. I agree. And that we should evaluate these films equally. You yeah. should evaluate the film uh, according to what the author intends. Yeah. And what the director's trying to say, and we ought to become the kind of people who have the ability to do that, that ask the hard questions. What What is the director trying to say about the world, about what's good, true, and beautiful? Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say, ultimately, yeah. that we need to do with all of these. My concern is, in the Christian church, what ends up happening is that we think a movie like Woodlawn is Christian. Woodlawn. You've seen Woodlawn. I've never heard of that. Woodlawn is a story about a... Uh, a football team that basically in the ninth, I think it's in the 1950s, ends up getting converted, 50s and 60s, ends up having a mass conversion to Christ through the preaching ministry of a, of a young guy and how it transforms them and their comp- competitors and stuff. It's a, Actually, it's a good story, but it's very heavy-handed in the mm. way it handles these things and the way it handles the, And this is the problem, unfortunately, with a lot of people who produce Christian art, and they use that language, right? They feel, mm-hmm. the, they feel the obligation to to communicate the entirety of the gospel and have people preaching all the time, mm. and the only end the only end that you can have in any Christian film is you know the entire baseball team or football team or whatever coming right. to faith in Christ and mm. having these breakdown moments. And I'm I'm saying that yes, that's that's great and wonderful to do a film like that, but there are movies that that are I would think more artistically excellent that do embrace Christian themes and ideas. That we would embrace, just that that we would want to um, promote and embrace and champion as much as something like Woodlawn, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm, 
yeah. I mean, I've said that before, before that and this is not a film that I think everyone should watch, but No Country for Old Men is a movie that actually challenges the worldview of naturalism in a way that I think very few films do. Yeah. So what do you call that? See, I watch, I watch No Country for Old Men, and I think, wow, the Coen brothers who, who directed that just like shot holes all throughout the worldview that is controlling the Western world. Mm-hmm. And they ask questions in the film that are so cogent. They're excellent questions. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> they do this in other films. They did the same one. <clears throat> they did a remake. I can't remember. It's a Western film. You guys know the Coen brothers at all? The, mm-hmm. They did a, a film. It was the one that uh, they did a few years ago. It's a Western film, and, the, and the, uh, John Wayne was in the original uh, I can't remember anyway, but the story is basically about forgiveness, about this guy who went, this, this young, yeah, yeah, young with, girl. Uh, Matt Damon in it? Yes, and this young girl ends up getting the, she ends up getting the revenge that she seeks, and it's so unfulfilling. In fact, The Revenant's like this as well, hmm. that at the end, the, the story is basically about how the lust for revenge is not, it doesn't have a payoff. See, as somebody who believes the Lord's Prayer, right? <laughs> Forgive as Christ forgave you. I, I love films like that. True grit. Yeah, true, true grit. True grit, yeah. Do you, want, do you know one of the things I find it fascinating, and you see this even with Christian music often, is it, you don't feel like you get the full artistic breadth of, of the human experience yeah. that you do see in the Bible, where in the Bible you'll see the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, as Another, as, another good movie. Yeah, true. As you know, as David is pouring out his heart. Yes. But you don't you don't see that, right? Because right. it tends to be with like our music or even our movies. It's it's all rainbows and sunshine. Yeah, it's sanitized. Yeah. Yeah. And so right. the real hard questions that say the psalmist ask, you know, where are you, God? Where are you, God? Right. Yeah. How long will you ignore me? That that kind of kind of existential terror, which is still Christian, which is is being uttered by people who penned words in you know, in God-breathed scripture. And I just, unfortunately, in too much of the Christian subculture, we don't have space for that sort of stuff. Our art is very limited. As you just said, our art is limited to certain experiences within the Christian subculture. And they usually have to do with, you know, um, with precious moments. Mm, right? Like right. the kinds of things you can put on a wall and make people feel mm. encouraged and can be on family-friendly radio. And I, my thing is that there is a space for that, and I actually really do mm-hmm. appreciate a lot that kind of positivity. I really do. Mm-hmm. That is, it's, it's, it's part of the story. So is living between the times, right? Yeah, living, for sure. Living in the moment where we are saved, but not yet totally saved, where the kingdom is here, but not totally here. And so we live with this tension. And so sometimes the reason that Christian art doesn't really, or art done by Christians, is doesn't always hit the mark in the, in the spirit of people is because it's not really speaking to their experience as much as it could be. And great art speaks to the experience of real people Mm-hmm. That's why it brings tears to your eyes when you hear it or see it or listen yeah. to it or yeah. view it. Mm-hmm. No, anyway. I totally agree. Good. So my main point, though, weeks ago when I brought that up was we just need to become more adept at being, I hate to say it, like art critics who are able to more understand, engaged. well, who are, who are able to understand what the authors of these are, who, who, what the artists are saying right. by what they're doing. 
It's more than just entertainment. And, and then evaluating those things according to a biblical framework. And right. I, I think that the church would be greatly helped in terms of avoiding syncretism, meaning the merging together of belief systems, if we were well, if we were aware that we're being sold something every single time somebody wants to That's advertise right. to us or make a film or make a sculpture or sing a song to us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fitty Sense wants to get your mind. He wrote that Fitty. I saw that. Fitty. It was well, well, well done Is he there. still Very a, cultural. Yeah. I, that, well, maybe 10 years ago, though. That, <laughs> yeah. That's a little dated, maybe. Really? Fitty Sense. But it, that's th- a great name, though. It is. I, th- I think this is, this is one of those things that I, I, I often see with Christians is where they don't realize that in these movies that the producer, the the director, the right. the author right. has a point. They're they're trying to put a worldview before you, or, or trying to get you to think about something. It's not that they're just trying to entertain you. Yeah, and part right. of the reason, part of what they're doing is trying to entertain you because they want to they want to yes. live on you know in, in the big house in Malibu. I, yeah, they are. They want to make the money, and they know it sells. And so certain things they'll put in their films do sell. But the ones who are really, like if you watch the Academy Award nominated films in particular, the ones that are really making uh, a cultural impact, all of them are trying to say something about the world in which you live. And yeah. some of those things that they're saying are absolutely true. And we should praise God that people, Christian and non, are making films that that speak about those things. We should also, though, uh, yeah, we, we should also, though, be capable of interacting with those movies um, carefully. Yeah, especially Mm. when they do not. No. uh, Oftentimes they don't. Yeah, share the Christian worldview. Right, and we've got, I mean, there's all sorts of movies and TV shows that we would warn people uh, or probably advise, say it's unwise to watch certain movies. Right, so Um, just, I need to reiterate something, though. Whenever we get in this conversation, I always want to say that... uh, that that avoidance of film and these are that's that's right. an option that's a christian option you don't need to to do that you don't need to go and watch movies you don't no. need to go and watch no. tv and stuff like my point is if you're going to be involved if you want to be involved in the culture the way you can be in the culture and not of it is by becoming really critically evaluative of what you're totally. watching and listening and these sorts of things or you yeah. can choose to avoid and that's that's just as that's a, that's a legitimate Christian approach always has been. Yeah. Excellent. So to stick with that theme a little bit, we had a, a listener write in about the uh, HBO series Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is uh, like this medieval uh, show, but it's very graphic in every kind of way. So he's wondering. Um, is there a moral issue behind Christians watching this show because of all of the um, content, particularly the sexual content? What's the biblical perspective, and are people becoming too complacent uh, with w- being careful with what they watch? What, what do you, you want think? to say? What the, uh, so what, basically, the question is: Is Game of Thrones it, like? People are watching it and saying these sorts of things that are this is good or that is good or you know and it's it's got a lot of, of like quite honestly I've not seen I saw the first episode of Game of Thrones and I stopped there because I, it was there was quite a bit of what I would call soft core pornography in it and yeah. I I was like okay no more for me 
Done. I've never watched Game of Thrones, but I I, in fact, I don't. These days, I haven't been watching a ton of TV. I, I enjoy mm-hmm. watching movies periodically. But that said, I'm very hesitant to tell people what they should or shouldn't be watching. But you would tell people not to watch pornography. Yeah, right. I would. However, Therefore, I think, I think you're going to tell people not to watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think what I'm saying. one of the things, though, that I get annoyed with or concerned with is that is Christian maturity and having the wisdom to be able to decide what if you should watch that or not. So, in other words, it should it shouldn't you should you should know the kind of things that you should and shouldn't be watching right so there's i mean there's a category in scripture for this it's called disputable matters right and there's christian freedom uh, and that's usually where i appeal to whenever we talk about film and and these sorts of things some some people are going to be able to watch a particular show and and not lead it to lead them to sin and others are not like for me uh i no i i i tend not to watch movies uh like I'm very, I'm very careful of what what I'm watching, uh, but th- there's definitely some things that people can watch that I'm just not okay with, right? And vice versa. Now, for example, there is a TV show that I like that a lot of people think are on the edge mm-hmm. of whether or not you should or shouldn't watch it, and that's The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoy watching that that TV show. Uh, it doesn't doesn't uh, bother me, uh, but it bothers my wife. <laughs> Uh, gives her nightmares, mm-hmm. so she tends not to watch it. Uh, I enjoy watching that one because of the philosophical conversations that are taking place. Now that movie's on the other extreme, where there's no nudity mm-hmm. that I can ever remember, but there is there's a lot graphic of people, people eating each other. Yeah, good stuff. You know, people eating each other. So is that which okay? Which is kind of a sin. Yeah, I, th- I think. No. No, absolutely. I think <laughs> it is. We don't, you know. So look, here, here's my thing. I, yeah. I, I want to make it clear, though, that what most people are looking for whenever you get into these discussions is they want to have a list of what's approved and what's not approved. And this mm-hmm. is what ends up happening when you end up uh, becoming a legalist is that you have a list of approved shows, a list mm-hmm. of approved whatever. There are lots of churches that have gone down this path. You shouldn't watch this. You should watch this. Mm-hmm. You should li- shouldn't listen to this. You should watch this. And the temp- it's easy to give you a law. It's very easy to give you a law. Mm-hmm. The law is usually written according to whoever's writing it, though, and their conscience. Yeah. The more difficult thing is to appeal to Christian freedom and say, well, okay, there, th- here are some principles, and uh, you should listen to your conscience, and you shouldn't bruise your conscience. If your conscience is, is, is warning you against a thing, listen to your conscience. Avoid it. Right. If you, mm-hmm. I have a friend who used to who used to go down uh, a certain part of uh, the highway in Dallas, and there was a big billboard in Texas and in the southern part of the United States. Mm-hmm. It's very common for the gentlemen's clubs, which were that's not the right name for them because no gentlemen went there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But those are the strip clubs, right? Mm-hmm. They they would uh, they would um, market their stuff on these massive billboards that were very provocative like in terms of the shape of the women who were on there, the way that they looked, this sort of stuff. So my, my friend, he would drive along this highway by this billboard on his way to seminary, and he found himself really struggling with lust when he would go by this billboard. And so he, instead of just saying, hey, man, get over it. This is, you know, you should be better about that. You know what I mean? Right. He decided to take a road that took him 15 minutes longer every day mm. to drive around it. Now, some people think, oh, it's so ridiculous. Your time is more value and stuff. 
I always, I've thought, man, that's, that's what Jesus means by cut off your hand and gouge out your eye. And you know what I mean? Like yep. sin's serious. And so I'm going to take steps necessary to avoid it. And if that means mm-hmm. putting like, you know, putting filters on your internet because mm-hmm. you find yourself being tempted there. My, my point is the wrong thing to do is to quiet your conscience because you say, well, I should right. be better about this. No, yeah. there are some things that you're not going to be um, free to do that someone else might be free to do. I might be free to drive down that freeway. There's nothing sinful about driving down the freeway by that sign. It's not an, it, it's not an issue for me. I don't find myself lusting after it. I find myself being sad that we live in a world, you know, see what I mean? I do. Mm. Other people, though, might not be in that situation. So I would say some people watch certain films and, and do that or listen to certain music, and it just doesn't affect them in that way. But other people, when they listen to it, they find that it's, that it's, it's spurring their conscience in a negative direction. You should listen to your conscience. Mm-hmm. You guys ever walked out of a movie? Yeah. I've, I've had that a number of times where you go into a movie and mm-hmm. you go, oh man, I, yeah. I'm into something I didn't think that I was getting yeah. into. And mm-hmm. my wife and I are like, okay, yeah. we're out. You know, but that's totally. that thing where you're listening to your conscience. Now listen, if I had a brother or sister in Christ that stayed in that movie, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to be like, well, that's the thing is that, is that you need to be careful. But there are now, now for people who do go and watch movies and are, are interested in going to the theater or renting or watching on Netflix, whatever it is, there are good websites that will give you yeah. like a rundown of the, the synopsis of the movie. It'll tell you, they'll tell you how many swear words there are. They'll tell you what almost kind like, of nudity there is and all of that. Almost like in this almost irritating way, like plugged it online, will list exactly oh, yeah. like and every say, single thing and they're doing it and they recognize. It'll say spoiler alert. Like, so, yeah, but if you, I mean, you can, what I, what I'll do is I'll just scroll down and if I'll look at the, particularly the sexual content part right. and if Carla and I are going to go see a movie, yeah. so we were interested in seeing Deadpool because, uh, Marvel movies, we just really enjoy them. And, and we've found most of them have been done really well so far. We like the X-Men movies. We like the Avengers, all those. So Deadpool comes out and we're like, oh, the, the ads look really good look funny it looks like it's going to be one of these kind of witty uh adventure fun kind of movies ant-man <clears throat> ant-man no it looks like it's going to be yeah an ant-man, ant-man was yeah. great right yeah so then we so i go online because i heard oh well there was there was talk of it being rated in the states uh nc7 or yeah nc17 yeah, really really and i was like okay then this isn't going to be good probably so when it comes out I looked, I looked at plugged in online. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at plugged in online and I just scrolled down to the sexual content section and it was just it's like three pages. Oh long. my goodness. It was so long. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay, we're out. Yeah. We aren't going to go see this movie. No, I haven't seen Deadpool either for this very no. same reason. Yeah. Yeah. But again, listen, I, my thing is if you're going to engage in the culture, you need to listen to your conscience. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm going to add one more piece to this. You also need to be careful of your brother or sister. And their conscience. Yeah. So don't ever put your fr- your brother or sister in Christ in a situation where they're going to have to violate your conscience in order to be totally. cool with you. Do you do you yeah. know what I mean? Totally. Hey man, we're gonna go to the pub, and you know your brother or sister in Christ struggles with alcohol, or maybe hasn't struggled with alcohol, but struggles with the whole scene. Mm-hmm. Why don't you and your friends do something else for the sake of your brother or sister? Yeah. You don't need to go to the pub. There's no like totally. demand for you to go to a pub that night. Go go somewhere where your brother and sister in Christ can still be a part of your thing and can go somewhere where you all can go. But those are the really the two massive principles in scripture. Are first, don't violate your conscience when it comes to matters of freedom. And second, don't violate your brother and sister's conscience. Mm-hmm. 
you can still go to those things, right? You can go to the pub when it's just you and a friend who who have the same have the same freedoms, right? But but when it comes to violating your brother and sister's conference, it's a no it's a no go. Value value your brother or sister over what you drink or eat, yeah. or watch, or dance, yeah. And and when when you start thinking like that, that that changes the way you start looking at music, movies, you name it. Because now you're thinking not only about what's going on in me and where and uh, with my relationship with the Lord, but also other people and their relationship with the Lord, and and being plugged in that way. Because now all of a sudden you start to see that maybe even watching a PG movie isn't going to be appropriate given a certain circumstance. Sure. Oh, totally. Right. So it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I want to make sure though that. Uh, I, I, when I say this, there there are some films though that I'm going to be like really. Some are no like I want to no put this brainers, massive. Well, I want to put this massive idea. like warning. Is it wise? See, this is the yeah. other, this is the thing though. Is the question isn't isn't right or wrong? Is it wise when it comes to Christian freedom stuff? Is mm. it is it wise? It always seems though that wise. the questions come up like Game of Thrones when it's just right on the edge. Right, like and so this really, should be, and more than just on the edges. This should pushing. be a signal. So if you're recording Game of Thrones, okay, and you can fast forward through the through the the bad parts. See, this is where I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. If that's going to be your approach to gouging out your eye and cutting off your hand, fine. But you should be thinking seriously. What does it look like for me to avoid sin? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Does that mean that you watch it with a friend who's got their quick finger on the trigger to fast forward it? You know. Or, or you don't watch it live so that you don't have control. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Here's one of the other things, too, as a father that I've had to think more on is, um, mm. like, I was watching this show on Netflix that was uh, called Un- Unmasking Magic or something like that, mm. you know? And there were these scantily clad women with this magician, you know, he's talking about how totally. he's... Mm-hmm. You know, solving all these different, showing yeah. you how these magi- magic shows are done. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking to myself, this probably isn't the best thing for my boys to be watching. No. Right? Right. Nothing bad about it, but these scantily clad women, and they're going to, this is starting to taint the way that they view women and blah, blah, blah. Right. And so as a father, I'm more and more in, have to engage in, okay, what am I watching? And do I want my child watching this? And how, it, again, this is worrying not just about my conscience, but about theirs Absolutely. and about the shaping of their worldview. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So we didn't give anybody any answers there. Because they need to answer it. <laughs> but that's the challenge, right? Whatever's yeah. good, true. Uh, I can remember Beautiful. the pa- passage in Philippians 4.8, I think is what it is. Yeah. Philippians 4.8, mm-hmm. right? Think upon these th- these things. So you can apply that. Mm-hmm. But your application of it is going to look a little different, perhaps, than mine. Mm. And one more question for today's episode. We have a, a listener who's off at... Um, uh, she's off at YWAM right now, and she's had some different uh, speakers come in. And uh, some one theme that she keeps hearing is that um, some of these speakers are talking about the fact that we need to constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what are our thoughts on this? Do, do we need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit? Or once we have the Holy Spirit, uh, are, we, are we good? Do you know what's are interesting? My time in ministry over the years, I, I'm amazed, particularly with college-age students, how often this question comes up. Mm. So can we establish a baseline? So here's my Please. baseline. Uh, perhaps it might be radical for some. Uh, every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is baptized in the Spirit. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm going to argue that based upon the fact that uh, spirit baptism. Well, I believe it happens at conversion. I think that I think it's First Corinthians twelve twelve seems to establish that. Yeah, Paul asks, "Are all baptized?" And the, I think the assu- the assumption is yes. We are all baptized. We were all baptized into the spirit. Uh, baptized into the church, and that the moment you come into. In fact, I'm Paul's looking it up really quickly. Am I right about that? First Corinthians twelve twelve. Oh, I'm right. Come on, here it is. Come on, twelve twelve. Here it is. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. That's not right. I don't think so. (laughs) Oh, 1213. Here we go. (laughs) For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Okay, so when were you baptized into the body of Christ? When you were saved. Yeah. There's no question about that. You're baptized into the body of Christ. So the language here is, for by one spirit, we were baptized into one body. No matter where you're from, Jew, yeah, Greek, slave, free. Totally. All were made to drink of one spirit when? That text seems to indicate that you were drained to drink of the spirit at, at, at that moment. You're baptized in the spirit at that moment. Okay? So I, there's a, that's the language that's used oftentimes in some Pentecostal circles, although increasingly less these days, is to say that spirit baptism is a second work of grace in the life of a believer, okay? Mm-hmm. Most Pentecostals have dropped that language, at least the ones that I know, because they recognize, oh, wait a minute, actually spirit baptism is something that happens at conversion. But what do you call it when the spirit comes upon you in a special sense? which happens from time to time. You have maybe this euphoria, maybe there's this, like, what do you call it? There's also a historic precedent for this too, or what do you do with these people who have just been, you know, they grew up in the church and they never had that, you know, that moment, you know, coming to the Lord. So people have called this the filling of the spirit. That language is uh, used throughout the book of Acts where they are filled with the spirit. Usually in the book of Acts, when someone's filled with the spirit, I know like people like to point to the gift of tongues. Actually, the spirit filling usually uh, produces boldness in the speaker. That's kind of the book of Acts. That's like the main theme in the book of Acts. When the Spirit comes upon someone and they're filled with the Spirit, so Stephen is filled with the Spirit when he stands before, you know, uh, the Jews and he proclaims, he like preaches God's judgment on them. Peter is filled with the Spirit and he proclaims it in front of the Sanhedrin. They pray that the Spirit, you know, would help them speak boldly, and they were all filled with the Spirit, and they they do speak boldly. So, like, this is usually what happens, that the Spirit filling brings boldness. In mm-hmm. Ephesians 5, the Spirit filling, it says, "Be do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it gives a list of what that looks like. Uh, giving thanks in all circumstances, I think, is one of them. Uh, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. You got a couple others? There's a few others. Uh one of the one of them is um, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. My point is that these are all evidences. When the Spirit comes and He fills you, He ends up giving you these. These are the indications of Spirit filling. The question that has been asked by some theologians is, okay, is this something that happens all the time or is it something that happens intermittently? I tend to believe it happens intermittently, that this language of, of Spirit filling is something that happens repeatedly and Different. So, so in other words, we're always all of us who are Christians are spirit baptized, but not everybody is always filled with the Spirit. Mm. Okay, because I can see that in the Book of Acts when Peter is pre- sometimes there's a special kind of coming upon you that the Spirit has. So the question: Should we always be filled with the Spirit at every moment? I think we should ask the Lord to be to fill us with His Spirit, 
so that we might... Isn't that your yes and no? I mean, I think we should ask that. But if, if by filling the Spirit you mean, should you be constantly, uh, and the description there is, should you be constantly you know, exhibiting uh, the, an ability to touch people so that they're healed, which is sometimes what people mean by that. I'm mm. not saying that the emailer means that. Or that you should constantly be speaking in tongues at every moment. No, my answer is no. But the, the you thing, can be filled with the Spirit without those things happening. The way that the Spirit filling is described in Scripture is like boldness in preaching and submitting to one another, reverence for Christ, giving thanks in all circumstances, right? Singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. These kinds of things. Mm-hmm. What? How did the how did the um, the question? How was the question worded again? Uh, well, there, I mean, this is a. I gave kind of a summary of it oh, okay. because it was. It's the, the reason I okay. The reason I ask that is because oftentimes what I hear from people is they'll question whether or not they in fact are a Christian because they haven't had that experience. Experience, mm. and so yeah. a lot of people will have this idea that in, if they haven't had the experience, then they must not have. They must not be a Christian because the Spirit must not have come upon them, and so they want to have this experience so that they can be confirmed so that like, they're a Christian. Yeah, and this is, I, Andy, this is what I'm trying, I think, trying to say is that the stuff that I just described is far more mundane, at least in our estimation, right? So right. think about submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The way that Paul defines that in Ephesians 5, he'll end he'll up talking about wives to your husbands and everything. That's the language that submit to your husbands and everything, right? And husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. So what he's essentially saying there is that when a, when a wife chooses to submit to her husband out of reverence for Christ... On a non-moral issue, she sees the non-moral issue about whatever it is, you know, which direction they're going to go, this way or that way, and she chooses to to give way to him in that time. The Bible is saying that that is evidence of the fullness of the Spirit, the Spirit filling you, mm. right? So it goes on. That passage goes on to talk about children to your children, you know, respecting your parents. So when a child respects his or her parents Mm -hmm. and obeys them, this is an evidence of the spirit filling them. Okay, right. So, like you and I would look at that and go, "No, it's not." You know, spirit filling is the kind of stuff that happens when you shake on the ground. Right. Maybe. I'm not suggesting that that might not be what happens there, but like most of the stuff that the Bible talks about when it talks about spirit filling is like moral stuff. Mm. Like, yeah, giving thanks for all things. Mm. Think about that. How many of you walk down the street and you just feel a sense of thankfulness in your heart for what God's done for you and who he is and these Mm. sorts of things. Where'd that come from? What is that? I sing the spirit is filling you in that moment. So we would say then that a Christian is somebody who has been filled with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, um, but does that necess- necessarily mean that you've had one of these, you know, ex- you know, moments where, you know, you shook on, shook on the ground no. or all of a sudden you're mm-hmm. weeping in a church service, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. wh- whatever that might look like that people stereotypically think of filling of the Spirit, saying no. Yeah, so I'm... Yeah, I think we can tend to put too much emphasis on the experiential, Right. And not relying on what God's word says about us, and what when you become a when you become a Christian, when you are saved, that the Holy Spirit uh, saves you, and even how the how God apportions the gifts of the Holy Spirit. the 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 verse right before the ones that we just talked about in verse eleven, it says, "All these, all these gifts that God can give, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills." 
So it's as he wills. So mm-hmm. so this this could be, um, you know, that that he gives certain people certain gifts at certain times. Like it doesn't mean that you are going to be filled. Like uh, if he gives you the gift of tongues, it doesn't mean that ne- that's necessarily going to be something that you can use your whole life. Like maybe that's something that's going to happen in a certain situation, in order for the edification of the body. Uh, or in order for the body to be edified or for the gospel to be spread. So I think I want to make, I just want to be as clear as we can. I'm trying to say everyone's spirits baptized. I'm trying to use the language here, right? Mm -hmm. That's what Uh, I heard. There is a sense in which everyone is filled with the spirit who's a Christian, because that to be a Christian is someone who, to give evidence of the fruit of the spirit, okay? Which is in filling. But then there are these moments of exceptional filling. And those moments of exceptional filling might take the form of an, an ecstatic experience, but most of the biblical evidence points to actually that spirit filling being in very what you and I would consider mundane stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I actually think that our emphasis should not be on the ecstatic stuff, even though I certainly believe that is part of what the spirit does and can do in the lives of people in that you know, even those ecstatic experiences can be tested by the fruit that they bear, right? Yep. But most of our emphasis should be, no, uh, when somebody stands up and speaks the truth boldly and for the love of people and the edification of the church, what do we yeah. call that? When I when I stand up to preach the gospel, you know, I pray, I pray, Lord, fill me. I, mm-hmm. I repeat Absolutely. that with every word I say. Mm-hmm. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Fill me. I can't do mm-hmm. this without you. And likewise, when you submit to people in the appropriate relationships that you're in, right? Mm-hmm. Wives to their husbands and you, you, know, you to your boss and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's kind of an unnatural submission. The, our world's not like that. You should demand your rights all the time. And here you are giving away your, your, your rights to, for the good of others. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's a spirit filling you. Giving thanks in all circumstances. Even mm-hmm. when you don't feel like giving thanks. And yet the spirit kind of comes upon you and you, you sense a gratitude for God. You have a song in your heart, right? Singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, mm. right? Like you, you just, there's this joy that cannot be suppressed. That's evidence of spirit filling. Mm. So I don't, yeah, I want to embrace all of those things and emphasize those pieces more than I want to emphasize the ecstatic stuff that seems to get most press. That's awesome. Cool guys. Well, thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, and listeners, guess what? This Sunday is the fall kickoff. What time, Andy? Buddy, it is from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. And dinner is at? I think 4.30. But anyway, four. The, the four. Yeah. Hot dog. Hot dogs. Jeff's going to be serving them up no, hot. I don't think I'm doing the hot dog serving because no? of the old foot this year. But oh. I will be wandering you around weenie. slowly. In a wheelchair. Did you guys get that? On a scooter? Making jokes about all sorts of stuff. Awesome. So yeah, if right. you, uh, we'd love for everybody to come out. So come out. Uh, it's gonna be enjoy. great. There's Have gonna be inflatables. There's gonna be remote control cars. There's gonna be uh, sand volleyball courts. Yeah. Snow cones. There's gonna be cotton candy. You should yeah. really bring your kids to this event. Yeah. Even though I think the women's ministry is having a photo booth set up, so you can take pictures with your family and stuff Sweet. like that. Like it's so great, it and good. also if you're a young adult or whatever, I mean, look, free food. Okay, exactly. we give you yeah. chips, we give you hot Need dogs. Need I say more? Yeah, and then Sunday night gatherings happening right afterwards. I think we have samosas right near the there end. Too. So yes, man, samosas will be there. It's gonna be so great. So you could come out to the 
you could come out to the uh, kickoff and then finish it off with time of worship. Eight th- eight awesome. thousand hot dogs. I heard. There's a lot of hot dogs being made. <laughs> There's a lot. That's a lot of hot dogs. A lot of weenies. But yeah, yeah church on the weekends the same times five thirty yep. Saturday night. 9 and 11 15 Sunday morning and 5 30 on Sunday night. You bet. So cool. We'll so there. thanks everyone. If you have any more questions, please send them in to the to extra at northview.org. Other than that, we will see you Sunday. Oh, no.